Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com. Slash began. You can also send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGan, and that is G O F O R R I T G A N T. That's G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by 49ers corner Terrell Brown. Terrell in the process of probably becoming a free agent. Free agency starts March 11th. And at this point, Terrell Brown said, as of right now, nothing in terms of uh, the contract and in terms of a contract extension or re-signing with the 49ers. So at this point, Terrell Brown is probably going to become a free agent. And at this point, him and the 49ers may be done. But we'll see. We'll talk to Terrell about all those things. I'll talk about his free agency, talk about the 49ers and their season and what happened against the Seahawks and so on and so forth. We're also going to re-air an interview that we did uh, last Saturday with Greg Scruggs of the Seahawks. Greg had a lot of interesting things to say in that particular interview. We we touched on a lot of topics, touched on the N-word and, and the possible rule change with that, touched on uh, Richard Sherman, touched on the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl run. So we're, I'm going to re-air that interview tonight. We're going to talk to Greg and uh, I thought it was a great interview, and I thought Greg was very candid, open, and honest. So I'm going to re-air that interview for you tonight. And we're going to touch on a lot of different things. Mike Vick to the Vikings. Adrian Peterson would like that for that, like that to happen. LeBron James in the sleeves. Some, you think it was the shoes. Now he's saying it's the sleeves. It's the sleeves. It's the sleeves. Also, we're going to touch on Darren Sharper, Allen Iverson. Philadelphia 76ers team as a whole. Will they win another game? Mello and the Knicks. So we'll touch on all those things. But I want to start with the New York Knicks and start with the report out there that the Knicks have met with Phil Jackson uh, pertaining to possible coaching, pertaining to a possible front office position. And you look at the situation with the New York Knicks and the, and the position they're in right now. I mean, obviously, this is a Knicks team that is desperate in a lot of ways. And this is a team that, A, is desperate to try to make the playoffs because at this point, they're struggling to do that. And at this point, if the season were to end today, New York Knicks would not be in the playoffs. And the way things have been going with the Knicks, I can't really envision a scenario unless they get crazy hot over these final 20 games. I cannot envision a scenario where the Knicks make the playoffs. But at this point, five and a half games out of the eighth and final seed, eighth and final spot in the Eastern Conference, and that is held by the Atlanta Hawks. So there are two games, five and a half games out. I don't see 
They got a lot of ground to catch up, a lot of ground to make up. And they play the Bulls tonight, but, you know, the Bulls have been playing some great basketball of late. So this is a Knicks team that is struggling and probably won't make the playoffs. And at this point, May, if, you know, Melo's going to opt out, and because Melo's opting out, they may not have the service as their best player because arguably, I mean, you can look at it, Melo may not even return to the Knicks. Melo may not even return to the Knicks. So the Knicks have to do something. And doing something means interviewing Phil Jackson and saying, hey, hey, Phil, you want to coach? Or possibly, hey, Phil, you want to run our front office? The Knicks need to do something to convince Carmelo Anthony to stay in New York. I mean, bringing in a Phil Jackson, I think, would, would, would help your cause in terms of trying to keep Melo. It may not necessarily help you keep Melo, but I think it helps your cause. I think it definitely helps your calls, but I look at the Knicks team and, you know, just on talent alone, unless they're able to make some kind of splash trade or, or, or something this off season, talent alone, there's not a lot there. I mean, Melo, Tyson Chandler, I mean, those those are probably your two best players. And, and then, you know, I guess you can, J.R. Smith, but J.R. Smith has had a down year. Hardaway Jr., he's a guy that's probably going to – pay dividends moving forward. He's had a decent rookie season for the New York Knicks. Um, but that's about it. Stoudemire, I mean, you really can't count on Amari Stoudemire. So you look at Melo, and you have to say Tyson Chandler, probably your two best players. That's not enough to get it done moving forward if you're the New York Knicks. So you're probably going to have to make some kind of big splash deal if you want to be able to keep Melo moving forward beyond this season. So the Knicks have to do something, and I, I, I think Phil Jackson helps the cause because we all know what Phil Jackson has done throughout the course of his illustrious coaching career. We, we've seen what he can do for a franchise, 11 titles. We've seen it. Shaq and Kobe had a hard time getting over. Phil Jackson came, he got those two to play together, and he got them over. So that's the beauty of Phil, and obviously we know what he did with the Chicago Bulls. So this is a guy now. This is a guy now who has a pedigree. This is a guy that automatically comes in with, with respect. Players are automatically going to respect a Phil Jackson. Now, whether it's Phil Jackson the coach, whether it's Phil Jackson the president or general manager, that, that's going to be the interesting part. Obviously, Phil Jackson, the coach, gets instant and ultimate respect. Phil Jackson, the general manager, we don't know. The president of basketball operations, we don't know. We don't know. But I think the name instantly, in a lot of ways, draws respect. And obviously, if, you, if you're Carmelo Anthony, you want something and some reason to go back to New York. Mike Woodson, the way this team is going, is not something that will excite you, I don't think, moving forward. And, and Woodson, they talked to Woodson before their game against the Utah, Utah Jazz, and he said, quote, I really don't have an option on it. I really don't. Again, as I say here today, I'm the coach of the New York Knicks. I'm not going to entertain anything about Phil. I have a great deal of respect for Phil, but I'm not going to entertain, entertain anything about Phil Jackson. My job it's to try to get this team to play at a high level, and we got a big game tonight against Utah, and we got to get ready 
to play. So those are the words from Mike Woodson. Again, should be interesting. Should be very, very interesting to see what happens now moving forward with the New York Knicks. And I might have said they played the Bulls tonight. They actually played the Jazz tonight. I did say they played the Bulls. They actually played the Jazz tonight in New York City. So this is a game they can win, a winnable game for the New York Knicks. And who knows? I mean, they're in the Eastern the, I said this last week. You look at the Eastern Conference now, and, and the funny thing about it is, okay, you got the eight teams that are in. Bobcats and, and Atlanta Hawks are both Bobcats five game under five games under five hundred in the seventh seed, and the the Hawks seven games under five hundred in the eighth seed. So you got those two teams, you know, collectively all together what twelve games under five hundred, and that's your seventh and eighth seed. But anyway. The teams that are fighting to get that third, that eighth and final spot, the the Pistons, their team that wants to make the playoffs, the the Cavaliers, their team that wants to make the playoffs, and the Knicks, another team that wants to make the playoffs. Everybody else is in tank mode. Everybody else is in tank mode, straight tank mode, especially the Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, more so the 76ers than anybody because and we'll get to the Sixers. Will they win another game? Will they win another game? If you look at that roster, and, and I know what, there are a lot of games left to be played, 55, 61, 21 games left to be played for the Philadelphia 76ers, 21 games left. And you say the law of average says you've got to get one. Have you seen that Sixers roster? And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But anyway, let me let me close the door on this uh uh, Phil Jackson to New York Knicks type deal. If it happens, again, I think it helps the Knicks in terms of trying to bring Carmelo Anthony back. If it happens, I think, you know, the way this Knicks team has been going over the past few years, whether it's Isaiah, Scott Layden, to name a few, I mean, Donnie Walsh. I mean, Donnie Walsh tried to write this ship, but, I mean, this ship hasn't been righted. Um, so, I mean, we've seen – general managers, presidents of basketball operations come in and out, and we've seen a lot of the same type of inconsistent bad play from the New York Knicks over the years. Bottom line is this. It won't hurt to bring in a Phil Jackson. Again, we don't know what Phil Jackson is as a general manager, but it can't hurt. He can't be worse than Scott Layden and Isaiah Thomas. He can't be. So, I mean, if I'm the Knicks, Regardless of how it shakes out or what happens, I think this is a good move and a good step in the right direction, especially if you want to keep your franchise guy in Carmelo Anthony. And I want to stick with the NBA. And let's go to the Sixers now. This is a team, and I, and I said that there's a possibility this team may not win another basketball game. 21 games left for the Sixer team. 21 games left, and this team is bad. Have you seen the roster on this team? Let's look at their starting lineup. Thaddeus Young at the four. Henry Sims, you say who? Hollis Thomas, you Thompson, excuse me. I'm thinking of Hollis Thomas, defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles and New Orleans Saints. But anyway, Hollis Thompson, James Anderson, and Michael Carter Williams. You probably may you may have one starter, one guy that can start on another basketball team. 
and Michael Carter-Williams. Thaddeus Young, I'm not sure if he would start on another basketball team. Could be a sixth man, but I'm not sure he would start on another team. But I know Michael Carter-Williams would get a start on another basketball team. So you probably have one starter on that team. And then everybody else, I mean, who's backing up Thaddeus Young? Arnett Moultrie, Byron Mullins, Jason Richardson, who's been on IR the whole year, Eric Maynard, Tony Roden, Elliott Williams, Lorenzo Brown. I mean, it's not a good situation for the Philadelphia 76ers, and this team was built to lose. This team was built to lose, and they're doing exactly what they were built to do. And everybody says, everybody says, you know what, this is not good for the game. This is bad for the game. And I say, you know what, while it may be bad for the game, tanking is never good. It's never good for the game. But at the same time in the NBA, you've got to sometimes take those three steps back to move that extra long step forward. And that's what it is with the Philadelphia 76ers. They're taking those three steps back to move that one large, giant step forward. And we'll see what happens with the Philadelphia 76ers. But it's bad in Philadelphia, and it is a tanking-type situation. LeBron James, Mark Blackman, Spike Lee, you remember the commercials? Michael Jordan. It's the shoes. It's the shoes. It's got to be the shoes, man. It's the shoes. Well, LeBron James says it's the sleeves. It's the sleeves. It's got to be the sleeves, man. I mean, LeBron James yesterday after a not-so-good performance against the San Antonio Spurs yesterday, the Miami Heat were blown out by the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio last night. It was a 111 to 87 romp by the Spurs. And LeBron James says, hey, sleeves, not a good thing. He was 6 for 18 from the field. And this was his second worst shooting game of the season. He said he's not making any excuses, but I'm not a big fan of the jersey. Let me stop you right there, LeBron James. I'm not a big fan of those jerseys either. How could the NBA think? That jerseys with sleeves is something that is, is, is desirable. How could the NBA think that it looks? It doesn't even look good. It doesn't look good. I, I can see if it looked good, then I can understand. It didn't even look good. doesn't even look good. So I can understand with the sleeves, man. In terms of appearance, they stink. They're awful. But LeBron James says the sleeves affecting on long-range shots, especially the three-ball. The last time he wore the sleeves in a game, a regular season game, was on Christmas Day, 0 for 4 from three-point land. And he is 0 for 7. Actually, in the All-Star game last month, he was 0 for 7 from downtown. So, say he don't like it. He don't like it. And I look at the sleeves, and I know they're trying to do something different. I know they're trying to move some merchandise. I know, I get, know all that, but they don't look good. And I, and I think they should scrap the sleeves. I remember watching it on Christmas. It was awful. It was awful seeing all those guys wear sleeves. 
So, so I hope that you know we'll see the you know this is the last that we'll see of the fleas this season, and I, I don't want to see him again. I do not want to see it again. Don't want to see it. Don't. Not at all. Awful. Who wants to see it? Who wants to see uh, players in sleeves? It's not. It's not a good look. The All Star Game jerseys were awful. Christmas Daddy jerseys were awful, and they had one common denominators. It was all sleeves. But LeBron James. I mean, I, I don't know if you really can make excuses when it comes to that. You really can't. I mean, you look at the San Antonio Spurs, obviously. They're a team that probably should have beat the Miami Heat last year in the NBA Finals. We all know what happened. Kawhi Leonard missing free throws. Ginobili missing free throws and ultimately cost them game six, which ultimately cost them the series that they would lose in seven games. But anyway, anyway, if you're LeBron James, there's really no excuse. Maybe it is the sleeves, but at the end of the day, nobody's trying to hear that. No one really is trying to hear that. They're not. So, you know, while he's trying he's, he's trying to downplay Dick saying it's not really an excuse, and he's not saying that's the reason it all happened, but what he's saying is he just doesn't like it. He says he's not trying to make excuses. Well, sounds like excuses to me. And I think it sounds like that to a lot of other people. So I understand why he said it. I understand the rationale behind it, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, ain't nobody trying to hear that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Let's stay with LeBron James now. Other night, big-time performance against the Charlotte Bobcats. 61 points in that game against the Charlotte Bobcats in a 124-107 victory. Now, I've been hearing a lot of people, you know, on social media talk about that performance and, you know, kind of downplaying that performance. And I I say this, you know, whether you're playing the Bobcats, whether you're playing the 1972-73, what, the the 9-73 Sixers from many years ago, I mean, whether you're playing the worst team in basketball, 61 points is 61 points points, regardless of who you're playing with, playing against. This is the National Basketball Association. You're playing up a, playing against professional players. If it was so easy to get 61 points, guess what? Everybody would be doing it against the Charlotte Bobcats. But he was efficient, 22 for 33, 22 for 33, eight three-pointers, eight for 10 from downtown. He was efficient in that performance. And again, a lot of people trying to, to downplay his performance because of who it was against. Because of who it was against. I mean, and Dominique Wilkins, the great Dominique Wilkins, he was one of them. Dominique Wilkins says, you know what? He says, I could score 41 points against the Charlotte Bobcats. And Dominique Wilkins is old. Dominique Wilkins is old, and he tweeted out, no denying he put on a shooting display. He was hot. Let's not forget he was playing the Bobcats, a sub-500 team 
with a matchup nightmare. Where's the defense? He went on to tweet. Where's the defense? The Bobcats put up 107 points in a defenseless display of basketball. Offensively, who was there to make Braun work on D? Dominique Wilkins went on to tweet. Why are we not talking about Al Jefferson in the monster night? He had 38-19. Yes, like I said, Braun got hot and put on a shooting clinic. He went on to say, watch the film. No closeouts on D. Doubles were late. Rotations were slow. It was too easy to score. At 54 years old, I could drop 40 on that D. Dominique is going hard with these tweets. He's going hard. Braun is a freakish athlete, yes, no doubt. I could say I was two in my prime, but averaging 30 then against the greats like Bird, MJ, and King. And having to guard them on the other side was an all-out war. You were dogged by halftime and had to pick it up and do it again in the second half. He went on to tweet, let me be very clear, amazing shooting display. He was on fire and very efficient. My point is the Cats didn't work, on, work him on the other end. I mean, Dominique Wilkins has a, a bunch of different tweets going on about LeBron James. Calm down, people. Not taking anything away from the great offense tonight from one of the greatest the game has seen. He shot the lights out. Obviously, I love scoring a great offense performance. It's exciting to watch, especially from the young talent today. But great basketball but great basketball is even better to watch. The work, the scheme, the battles, the enforcers inside. A lot of that is loss. Man, some very sensitive bronze fans out there. My goodness. My take is not knocking Braun at all. It's really more so about the game and how it's changed. The game has changed. Definitely has changed, and it is a lot easier to score because you're not allowed to use your hands the way you used to back in the day, the 80s, 90s, even before that. So it is easier to score in today's NBA. And I, I, when, when, I, when I read Dominic's tweets, obviously, you know, he believes that, you know, he could score 40 points against that Bobcats defense. He's saying the Bobcats defense stunk on that particular day. He's saying the Bobcats as a team stink. And I get that. Sub-500 team, but are in the playoffs. It's the playoffs were to begin today. I don't know if that's saying much in the Eastern Conference, but a playoff team nonetheless. But anyway, I look at it, and to me, yes, I understand what he's saying, but 61 points is 61 points. And, and 8 for 10 for downtown is big time. 80% from three-point range, 22 for 33. I mean, you, you know, that's big time. Those are big time numbers. And again, I don't care who it's against. If that was the case, People would be averaging, you know, you, you, Durant, LeBron, and all these guys would be getting 60-plus points on the Bobcats every night. Not every night, but on a consistent basis. 60 points to 60 points. 66% from the field. I mean, you're talking about a big-time performance. Eight for 10 from downtown, 66% from the field, 22 for 33. I get what Dominique's saying, and all those things are true. All those things are true. And you wonder, and I wonder, I mean, you know, how much different, and how would LeBron James do late 80s, early 90s? How, how would he do in that, in that particular game where guys were allowed to hand check and 
Well, Flagrant Fouls, I believe, came in, I believe it came in 90 or 91. Flagrant Fouls came into existence. But before Flagrant Fouls, I mean, you know, you go through the lane, you're going to get your block knocked off. I mean, you go through the lane, you're going to take a beating. I mean, Michael Jordan took a big-time beating against those bad boy Pistons. I mean, you, and you watch some of those Lakers and, and Celtics games and Rambus and those guys getting clotheslines and all the other craziness. I mean, you know, th- that was very physical. That was a very physical brand of basketball. Even those Knicks in the 90s, Pat Riley's Knicks and, you know, Oakley and Mesa and those boys beating on you. You know what I mean? And, and so the game is totally much different now. And I watch LeBron James sometimes as he – you know, get the full head of steam and go through the lane and dunk it on, on, on people and guys. And, and I wonder how much different would that look in our late 80s, early 90s, 80s and 90s? How would that look? I mean, at some point you would think LeBron James would be on his back a few times. You know what I mean? So the, the game is totally different. It's a totally different ball game out there. It just is. Better? If you like offense, sure it's better. But, again, NFL, NBA, all these guys, all these sports, they don't market the sports to guys like me and those listening to the show because they know we like sports. So we like the game. We love the game. We're probably going to watch regardless if they, if they score 120 points a game or if they score 80 to 90 points a game. We're going to watch regardless. They're going after the casual fan, and the casual fan likes to see points. The casual fan wants to see a whole bunch of points up. The, 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 the diehard fan, the, the fan that's going to watch, regardless of what's going on out there, guys like me, you, and everybody else listening to this show, they don't care about us. We're going to watch regardless. We're a given. They take us for granted. But, heck, I, I, I enjoy tough physical play. I don't enjoy the up-and-down you know, type basketball game. I don't enjoy it. I... I, I would like to see it go back to what to the way it was. I would like to see it. And a lot of people say it's not really aesthetically pleasing, but I thought Magic and, and, and the Lakers, Showtime Lakers and Bird and the Celtics and Dr. J and those guys in the 80s, Michael in the 90s, I thought that was exciting basketball. I really did. I, I had no problem with that. I had no problem with that whatsoever. Not at all. I was good with it. It was good basketball. You don't want to see guys being able to score too easily. You know, you, you want to balance, just like the NFL. I mean, I don't want to see arena football. If I want to see arena football, I go pay my ticket and, uh, or I go watch arena football. I want to watch NFL football. So I want to see a defense. I want to see the defensive plays. I want to see defensive players making big-time plays. I want to see that. I want to see, uh, I want to see 13 to 10 sometimes, 17 to 14. I don't always want to see 40 to 45, 35, 38. I don't want to see that all the time because that gets boring. And then you see guys just going up and down the field. That's not exciting to me. That's not exciting to me. And what we saw with the Seahawks in the Super Bowl and what we saw from that team in general, they were a throwback type team. You know what I mean? Defense was a big part of what they did. Run game was a big part of what they did. They won the old-fashioned way. They won the old-fashioned way, and, and that's enjoyable basketball to me. Football, I should say, to me. That's enjoyable football to me. 
seeing guys, see a defense actually be a defense and step up and make plays instead of seeing up and down the field madness. And we all know it's been proven, it's been shown, defense still will always win championships. Bottom line, you got to have a run game. You don't necessarily have to have a run game, but you got to have a defense. you got to have some kind of components of, of a run game and or a defense. More importantly, you need a defense. you got to have a defense. They need a quarterback who can make the necessary throws. It doesn't have to be big time. It doesn't have to be uh, the best throw in the game. It doesn't have to be Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in terms of throwing the football. But he has to be efficient. He has to be able to move the chains any means necessary, whether that's with his feet or whether, that with his, whether that's with his arm. At the end of the day, he still has to be able to stand in the pocket and make throws. Russell Wilson did that. He stood in the pocket and made the throws. He got out of the pocket and made the runs necessary to move the chains. He did that. He's not the type. He's not a pure passer like a Manning or Brady. He's not one of those guys. But he is a guy that's going to do what he has to do to move the chains. And he did that in the Super Bowl 43 and did that throughout the course of the season for the Seattle Seahawks, who ultimately, as we all know, won the Super Bowl, and Russell Wilson was a big part of that. Big part of that. Big part of that. And as we said, we're going to air this interview that we did uh, last week with Greg Scruggs of the Seattle Seahawks. Take a listen. Listen close. It's very interesting. Greg brings up a lot of great points. You enjoy it. He's honest. He's candid. He's open. Greg sucks. Seahawks. Let's bring him in now. Defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks, Greg Scruggs. How we doing, man? How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying life right now, man. <laughs> I, I can see, I, can, I see, I hear, I can hear it in your voice. And let's talk about it. It's been about a month since winning the Super Bowl. Has it really set in that you actually won a Super Bowl, that you're a part of a Super Bowl winning team? Well, you know, it, I think part of it came, I think it showed up uh, a little bit after uh, after we won. I think it set in and then it kind of went away for a little bit. So I think, okay. it'll, I think it'll show itself again uh, once um, once we get the rings. So okay. right now I'm just kind of enjoying it, you know. It's like everybody tells me. Everybody tells me, man, you won the Super Bowl, you won the Super Bowl, but I don't think it's quite set in all the way yet. Once I get my okay. Super Bowl ring, then I think it's like, you know, it's like wine. You get what I'm saying? It's like wine, man. <laughs> it gets better with time. You know, it, okay. the more the more it sits with me, the sweeter it becomes. You know what okay. I'm saying? So um, that, that's where I am now. I think everybody's there. Let me ask you this. I know you were you were on injured reserve with the torn ACL. Does that take any luster off of off of this Super Bowl? Does that mean anything to you? Does it make it uh, bittersweet on some level? Well, I think if you're a competitor, it does. It absolutely does, man. Because as a competitor, you want to be out there. You want to be competing. You want to put your stamp and lay your mark on this game. And um, 
I'm a big time competitor. That's why I play football for a living. And there's some people who are okay with just being along for the ride. There's some people who enjoy okay. that. But um, for me personally, um, I'm a dog, man, and I want to be out there eating. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I really, I want to be out there eating. I want to be out there getting after. So <clears throat> it does a little bit, but at the end of the day. I still contributed. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I I was around the facility. I busted my butt to be a part of the team. I busted my butt to be around them to be to be a member of that team. So it, it takes away a little bit, but not all the way. You know okay. what I mean? At the end of the day, I'll forever be in the history books. When you look down that roster, you always see my number, Dad Gummin, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> and I look at this team, and, and I want to go into the defense. And you guys faced the Broncos in the Super Bowl, a big-time offense, of course, Peyton Manning. And at the end of the day, it seemed like you guys were bigger, stronger, and faster. Your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, I think what was different about our team is that we prepare every day and every week like we're not good enough. Okay. Um, and I think that contributes to a lot. You know, if you talk to guys around the league, you talk to different teams, hit a certain point in the season, their practice schedule begins to change. You know, take care of the bodies, rest the players, et cetera, et cetera. For us, up until the Super Bowl, we were doing one-on-one pass rush. We were doing one-on-one wide receiver versus DB, which means that in our heads, we felt like we still had some work to do. And I think that contributes a lot to our mindset as a team. You know, I tell everybody that. You know, when we step onto the field, when we go to the practice field, those guys feel like they're not good enough. Not in a okay. negative sense. It's like the drive that that kicks us. You know, for me, I was just talking to Chris Clemens last night. I'm down here hanging out. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm with Clemens and Big Red will be here today, and me, Bain, will be here. All my, uh, We call them in the league. I call them my OGs, my veteran okay. guys. <laughs> and Clem had to tell me yesterday, Scrubs, do not overdo it, man. Sit still. You know, that's how I told my ACL in the first place. I was going a million miles per hour during OTAs. But okay. he's like, Scrubs, sit still. You know, be careful. But it's that mindset of, man, I'm not, I, God, dog, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I got to do more. I got to be stronger. I got to do more push-ups. Yesterday, I went, I went and worked out. I ran sprint. I ran DB times, and then I ran linebacker times. That's three hundred and ten pounds. Okay? okay. And then after I got done running those, after I got done running those times, I went in the sauna. And here I am in the sauna. I'm doing shoulder press, and I'm stretching, and I'm doing push-ups, and I'm doing body weight squats, and I'm doing more stretching, and I'm doing curls, and I'm doing tricep. I mean, it's like. I can't stop working because my mindset is, and everybody's mindset is, man, we feel like we're not quite good enough. And okay. I think that shows on Sunday. When you see the, the product on that field, that's not somebody who just turned the on-off switch. Those are people out there like Cam Chancellor. That's, that's, who, that's who resonates with me. Those are people out there that he's a fifth-round draft pick who says, you told me I'm not good enough, I'll show you. I'll, I'll flat-out show you that I'm, I'm as good, either I'm as good as you thought I was or I'm twice as good as you thought I was. Whichever one it wants to be, I'll either verify or I'll either justify why I think this way. You know what I mean? Right. So 
I think that's what you saw on during the Super Bowl. You know, nothing crazy. Nothing, no, you know, not not like man, we just blew them out. We completely destroyed them. It's not that. If you know our team, you know, man, we didn't play like we weren't playing like some guys who were arrogant, or we weren't playing like that for no reason. We were playing like that because all week people told us how good Peyton Manning was. And once again, we were doubted. And once again, we went out there and we had to defy the odds. We had to face the adversity. We had to face the challenge and show people, listen, you doubt me again, I'll show you. This is how we play. This is how I am. And if you get 22 guys individually thinking like that, man, I'm telling you, I am telling you, it is something special to watch. Sorry, I get carried away when I think about my teammates. (laughs) I think about the way we we overcome adversity, man, the way we kind of just fight through stuff, man. It's it really is amazing, man. Now, I look at you guys now in this defense and what you did, and a lot of people are comparing you to the 2000 Ravens, the, the 85 Bears. In your mind, how does this defense stack up against the greatest defenses of all time, 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens? Well, I think, I think it has to be up there somewhere. It has to be compared. You know, it has to be in the conversation. It has to be in the talk. I think people look at our last few games and they kind of waver. It's the last few games of the regular season, they kind of waver. But let's not go just off this season alone. Let's go off the past three seasons. Look at the numbers. Statistically, top ten defense the past three seasons. I'm, I mean, that's on paper. You know what I mean? Look at the numbers. Statistically, top ten against the run the past three seasons. You know what I mean? That's on paper. We have. We have. Earl Thomas been in the league four years, four-time Pro Bowler. Ken Chance, a fifth-round draft pick, two-time or three-time Pro Bowler. I think it's two-time. Richard Sherman, the, the the best corner in National Football League right now for the past two years. Un, uh, in, in my mind, there's no argument and there's no dispute. You get what I'm saying? So, right. I mean, you, you, you look at it and you put all the factors in as far as our pass defense, our run defense, our overall defense, points allowed per game, yards allowed per game. You got to look at it and say, well, you know, I can see why. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not one, I'm not one to get caught up in the talking. So, I'm just speaking statistically. Okay. I don't know, man. Okay. If people want to put us in the conversation, we love it. We appreciate it. Speaking for the defense, I don't know, man. I just know that we love playing football. You know, I saw Cam Chancellor yesterday up at the facility, and it's like, I mean, you, the the it's almost like when you see, like, a long-lost girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, <laughs> not saying Cam is my long-lost girlfriend, but, right, you know right. what I mean? It's like that sparkle, you know what I mean? That, that twinkle about you. It's like, man, like, daggone, I miss you, dude. Like, what's up, man? What's going on? How you doing? And you genuinely care about that because it's like, you feel so strongly about your teammates, on this team anyway. I understand different places is different, and they have different mindsets, and they go about their business different. But on this team, it's like, man, I love my teammates. You know what I mean? And um, they are who makes us. They are who make us who we are. And when you think about that and you put all that together, it's hard for me to sit here and say that my teammates don't deserve to be mentioned in the top of the, in the best of the best. It's hard. We're talking to Seahawks defensive end Greg Scruggs. And, Greg, obviously you won the Super Bowl. I got to know, man, how were the parties after winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, I, I went to one. I went to one. That was cool. 
I'm actually down here in um, Vegas right now. The whole defensive line came down, and um, um, you know, it's been pretty cool, man. We, we walked up last night when we walked into the building. They had like uh, you know the dancers holding uh, uh, holding Seahawks. They all had a letter, you know, over our table, and it was like you know flares going and. You know, crazy stuff. So these are the only two I've been to, man. I, I'm not really a party. I'm a homebody. But okay. I've heard some of the stories from some of my teammates, and apparently it's been <laughs> unbelievable. Everywhere they go, you know what I mean, it's like somebody's announcing that the Seahawks are in the building and want to take care of them, wanting them to have a great time, a great life. And sure. I'm at the Aria Hotel in Vegas, so I have to plug them. Aria's been great to me. They've treated me really well, man. It's the – First time I've ever stayed in a penthouse in my life. So I shed a tear when I walked through the door, man. Because I, I never thought I'd be here, man. I never thought I'd be able to do this. But this is pretty cool. So outside of that, man, um, I can't tell you much. I don't know, man. I haven't been to the parties. Okay. okay. <laughs> but the ones I have been to have been absolutely insane. You know, okay. last night was the first one that was absolutely insane. And then, uh, the one I went to back in Seattle was insane. But outside of those two, I haven't been out since. How's the ACL at this point? It's great, man. The, the knee is good. I can't wait to be going. You know, I, I put it <clears> – I like the term it as putting it through hell and back because I do. I, I put this thing through everything you can withstand to make sure that when it comes time for me to play football, there'll be no doubts, there'll be no questions. So, um. It's good. It is good, and I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to get the ball rolling on it. You know, I can't wait to show people. I can't wait to go out there and get to play football again. It's been a long time since the last time <clears throat> I put my helmet on somebody, and sure. um, I like hitting people. I've grown <laughs> to love to hit people, and uh, I can't wait, man, to hear that first little click clack of the helmet inside my helmet, man. It's gonna give me a headache. It always does. The first couple hits always give you headaches after a while, but um, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. So the knee's good. Now, now, Greg, I want to go back, go to one of your teammates, Richard Sherman. There's a, a perception of Richard Sherman out here, brash, cocky. Some even call him a thug. I, I don't believe in that, but that's just silly to me. But it is what it is. Who is Richard Sherman to you? Richard Sherman is a guy who's an underdog, and that, that's flat out that. You know, and um, before all of the crazy fame that's uh, that's come to him, I remember, you know, he was at a hundred and some thousand followers, and now he's at like eight hundred and some thousand. <laughs> but before all this accumulated, Sherman was just a guy trying to make his name. He hasn't changed one bit. The people, the people make him out to be something. But if they follow Sherman from the time he got into the NFL to this point, they'll realize, man, Sherman hasn't changed one bit. You know, last year, but last year before the season, before all the talks, before all the things, um, in 2012, his second year in the league, he's the same person, still dancing at practice, still talking at practice, still laughing, still joking, still humble, still as smart, still as articulate. He's not putting on a show, you know, and I think that's what disgusts me the most about what people put on him, is that Sherman is a great guy. You know what I mean? It's like you want to make somebody who's a great guy who's actually a great representative of your league, you want to make him out to be something terrible. 
You know what I mean? It's like you, sure. when you really think about it, what can you say about Sharp? Nothing. You can say, oh, he went on a rant. Okay, what cuss word did he use? Right. Who did he Who did he degrade? Because when you speak factually, that's not degrading. That's not. Exactly. When you speak factually, that's not degrading. So who did he degrade? Who did he embarrass? You well, know what I, I mean? The, I guess the only question is, I mean, he called Crabtree a mediocre receiver. Now, if, if yeah. you believe that's true, then it's true. Exactly. That's my point. If he feels that way, he feels that way. And if he feels right. like he's speaking factually, listen, he studied Crabtree much more than I did. He studied sure. Crabtree much more than any media outlet did. I guarantee you that. There's nobody who devoted their life to studying that receiver for a week's time. Nobody did. Outside of the people at the combine, there's nobody who devoted their life to watching every piece of game film that he ever put on tape. Nobody. So if that's the way that Sherm felt, that's the way he felt, period. You know, and I'll support him 100% because I can get on film and say, listen, this guy, that guy, I know guys specifically who's a pro bowler who I played against, and I'm like, this guy is terrible. Why is he, why is, why is he a pro bowler? I've watched every bit of film. I've watched this. i watched that. This guy is terrible, okay? He's a pro bowler because he has a great name. You know what I mean? I've, I've done that before. I won't say who because it's not my place. I'm, but you know what I mean? But it's like that's yeah, – I've done that before. I've seen that. I've looked at that before. So, you know, if that's the way he felt, that's the way he felt. But Sherm's done nothing to, to, to earn the title of arrogant. Right. How about confident? How about that? People have been looking for confident. You know, can you imagine if, um, if the early 90s Cowboys played in our day? what people would say about them. Right. Before people Twitter. would freaking des- destroy them. You know what I mean? That was okay, though. You know what I mean? Go back, turn on the U. Turn on the U in the early right. 90s and watch everything that they do. But now now it's just it's entertaining everybody. We love it. It's great. Those guys are great. Sharm's doing no different. But everybody wants to label him as such and such. Give Call him this way or that way. He's done nothing ever. He's done nothing ever to embarrass the National Football League or embarrass his family. That rant was true passion. That's not embarrassing. That's what people ask for. They finally get it. They finally get something outside of the politically correct answer, and now everybody wants to complain about it. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? And and that's exactly what – that was the point I made. I mean, I I thought, you know, at the end of the day, we want people to be truthful. In a moment that they're truthful, it's a moment that we rip them. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. You You can't have it both ways. You, you can't win. You can't win. So that's why we. I think. I think as football players, we finally given up on the media. I think we're coming <laughs> to age where we finally given up. You know what I mean? That's why. You know, Sean can do something like go to a platform and he can sit there and he can give you one word answers. It's because you give up. You know, it's like, look, I can't win or lose with y'all. So you know what? I just won't. You know what? I'll do. I'll I'll do the absolute minimum. Point right. blank. Period. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? I like talking, man. I like talking about my team. I like talking <laughs> about my team, so I don't have a problem talking to media. But some guys aren't the same way. They don't care. For sure. You know what I mean? They they could care less. So they could not care less. So now, now, Greg, we're talking to Greg Scruggs, Greg Scruggs, excuse me, defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Greg, you captured a great portion of the Super Bowl with Google Glass, and you did some things with that. Talk about that experience. Oh, uh, man, 
thanks to everybody at Google, um, they really made it happen for me. You know, as most people know, Google Glass aren't even out for sale yet. You know, it's, it's retail sale. It's all still in the testing phases. So thanks to everybody at Google. Thanks to my marketing team at Doman and Pittman and um, my media team over at D2 Media. They're the ones who made it happen, man. And um, it was great. It was great, man. That Google Glass is a great way. I always, I did an interview the other day, and I said, man, I always think back to the days when Chad Johnson would post a video on YouTube or he would get on Ustream and he would have a thing with with him. I remember as a kid watching that stuff, how great it was to be so close, to, to, to kind of feel everything that he was feeling, see everything that he was seeing, see his house. Right see his natural interactions, see his natural emotions, and see people in their natural state. So that was cool for me to be able to bring that to the fans. And I think it's gotten a lot of – it's created a lot of a following. And I, and I enjoy that, you know, because I only get this for, you know, hopefully, you know, seven-plus years, you know, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten years, however long the Lord allows me to play football. So while I'm here, I want as many people to experience that as I do. I can't give it to everybody. I literally can't physically give it to everybody. The best thing I can do is to, um, you know, just kind of um, portray life through my eyes, through the Google Glass. So I think it's a it's a great, great, great step in technology. I think it is the way of the future. It also has a range finder for when I go to play hold, play golf. I can see how far away I am from the pan. So. I mean, it's great. It's great, and that that experience was great. And once again, I'm thank, I'm so thankful for everybody who, you know, I, I was a kid in marching band in high school. I never thought I'd be able to do some of the stuff I'm doing. To go from a kid in marching band in high school who just wanted to get in college to being a, a trial guy for things such as the Google Glass, and you know, I don't want to brag on this. This is more so just proud, but staying in a freaking penthouse. I mean, good grief! If you can see this thing, I'm like I'm like a kid in the candy store. I don't act like somebody who expects this. I don't. Some people they come in here, they act like they expect this. I've been flickering this light switch on and off all morning because <laughs> because it's like it's the coolest thing in the world to me. You know what I'm saying? So, man, it, you know the Google the Google Glass and everything else, man, is is great. And I want everybody to see this. I want everybody to kind of share these experiences with me. That way somebody can vouch to my grandkids that I actually did this <laughs> stuff, man. I don't have, I don't have to tell myths, you know what I mean? So I, the world can vouch that I actually did this stuff. So it's pretty cool. Google Glass helps me solidify that story. <laughs> now, 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 real quickly now, Pete Carroll, you talked about, you know, how you guys, you, you're always working hard. You always have that chip on your shoulder. You're always out to prove something. You're always out to ultimately get it done. Talk about Pete Carroll. Well, you know, I think it, he makes it so that it's easy to come to practice. That's first and foremost. And then, you know, he, he allows you to be yourself. And I think a lot of people do. A lot of people understand that. One of the reasons it's easy to be yourself because he is himself. I mean, everybody, anybody who knows Pete, anybody who sees Pete, they can see, man, Pete, you know, he chucks footballs at, at a bat, trying to make him into a basketball hoop at the beginning of the practice. Not for entertainment purposes. Because that's who he is. He likes he's a big kid. He likes to try and make a football into a basketball hoop. So, I mean, that's just one example, one of the many examples of how you let you be yourself. And um, when you're allowed to be yourself, man, 
it's hard. It is really, really hard to be get away from that. It is hard not to kind of have fun with that. You get what I'm saying? So, sure. um, um, I think that's that's the environment that's created is that we just we enjoy um, playing and we enjoy being ourselves and being able to be ourselves while we're doing it. Now, also, Greg, there is uh, it's being talked about that there is a possibility that players will be penalized for using racial slurs like the N-word on the field of play. Your thoughts on that, to me, it seems like it's almost impossible to legislate, and to me it seems like it's the over-legislation of the NFL. But in your opinion, you've been on the field, you, you know firsthand, is this doable? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on this possible rule? I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give you an example, okay? This is how it feels the NFL players, okay? Anybody who works under you or works for you or works with you, imagine telling them when they go home, no eating salad. Do you hear me? No eating salad when you go home, point blank period. And so they'd be like, what? Okay, now you're doing too much. Listen, I'm telling you, if I catch you eating salad, you're fired when you go home. <laughs> if I catch you eating salad when you go home, you're fired. That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> right. You get what I'm saying? It's uh, like, exactly. You're gonna do. You're gonna do what? Oh, come on now. Listen. Regulate the NFL. Okay. Regulate the NFL. All right. That's all we're asking you to do. Okay. You made twice, three times, ten times, twenty times as much money as some of the players who you're working for or who you work over. Okay. We don't need you to do anything else to run the NFL. Thank you. Right. Please and thank you. Make sure make sure that we're safe. Make sure that contract negotiations are well. Make sure that the NFL has a good image. Outside of that, leave us alone. Okay? Because you know what? How many times on TV do you hear the inbox? Exactly. How many times do you hear somebody on the field throwing out the inbox? You don't hear now, for somebody like me, and I can speak personally, for somebody like me, where I grew up, the neighborhood I grew up in, it is prominent, man. That's, it's second nature to use the word. It is. Fortunately enough, I was able to get out of that, so I've been able to replace that word with different things in my vocabulary. But there's some people who aren't like me. For and sure. it's natural. It's not degrading at all. It is natural. You know what I mean? And I understand all the people who have gone through tough times, all the people who have been back, who were alive back back in the, the 60s, during the civil rights days and the 50s and things like that, I completely understand what their point, their point of view. But they have to understand, we did not groom ourselves. We did not teach ourselves this word. We didn't. People talk right. to us. So it is what it is. As much as you may want to remove it, it is what it is, and people have ingrained this in us. So, so from the time I was a kid, everybody I was around used this word. So it was natural for me to use that word. Until I started going to Catholic schools, and then everybody else around it wasn't kind of, you know what I mean? It wasn't kind of, it didn't kind of flow the same. You get what I'm saying? It kinda, right. I, I didn't go really it. well. You know what I mean? But you get what I'm saying? So I think, I it's, I think it's, I think it's a terrible idea. I really do. I honestly do, and I think I'm in, I think I'm in agreement with a lot of the, you know, pros, the writers, everybody else. When I say that, it's that, man, leave us alone. Good grief. Well, me, Can we just play football? Let me let me say this. I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
you are working for the National Football League. And, Correct. you know, it's one thing to talk and, and call people the N-word when you're at your house, when you're at a party, when you're doing what you do off the field. It's another thing to, to call somebody the N-word at the quote-unquote workplace. So can well, you understand it from that perspective? Well, I think, I think that's where you're mistaken, though. This is, where, this is where you separate it. This is, you know, and I know you're playing devil's advocate, but for anybody who has that mindset, this is where they mess up. They separate doing what we do. They say, okay. like you said, when you're at home doing what you do, playing football is what we do. To us, playing football is not some corporate entity. The NFL okay. is not that. Playing football is still a game. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it's a job. Sure, it's a business. Sure, it's a workplace. But at the end of the day, you know what? I play football. I don't think twice about contract negotiations when I'm on the practice field. Right. I don't think twice about how much money I'm going to make this year when I'm on the practice field. So I don't think twice about that stuff when I'm playing the game because I'm playing football. I'm in my natural element. You know mm. what I mean? <clears throat> one of the greatest people who has a, the, the, one of the people who has the greatest perspective on this is one of my teammates, and I won't say his name because I know he doesn't care to have his name said. But he says, listen, you all put these cameras in front of me. I've been doing this since I was six. Not me, <laughs> but him. I've been right. doing this since I was six. Y'all decided to add the cameras. Y'all decided to add the microphones. You all tried to build your brand and do this. He said, so I'm supposed to change who I am because y'all want me to? Absolutely not. I'm still going to do right. the same things that I was doing that allowed me to enjoy this game and have fun. And if that was if that was incorporating the N-word into your everyday language while you're playing football, then that's what it was for some people. But let me, just, let me ask you this, Greg. Um, we all have to conform. You know what I mean? We, we all have to conform. We can't be who we are 24-7. I mean, for, for right. both of us, and for eight hours a day or however you want to put it, we have to be – a different person. We can't be who we are at home. We can't be who right. we are, you know, in our neighborhoods. But you understand what I'm saying? No, I get that. But let me, let me, let, I say this, though. You know how many people are in the NFL? 1,600. You know how many people are in the world? Like 32 billion. <laughs> right. So for those 1,600 people, if they don't have a problem with it, who cares what the other 31 billion people think or 32 okay. point whatever billion people think. As long as those 1,600 people who are actually involved in it, if you don't like it, turn off the TV. <laughs> and that's you know not what I'm saying? You don't, pay, you don't pay my bills. You, not you personally. But you get what I'm saying? We love fans. We do. And I think there's some fans who, like, let the guys play. Let them play, let them play ball. But you don't pay my bills. You get what I'm saying? Paul Allen, my owner, my owner the, the guy who cuts my check, he got paid. He made his money elsewhere. <laughs> sure, this is a great investment for him, and people tuning in and advertising in the Seahawks, that's all great for him, but he made his money elsewhere. So you don't pay your bills. Turn off the TV. You go, not, you know literally pay, not, liter not literally pay your bills, but on some level, if you're, you're you know, going to games and buying merchandise and things of that nature, on some level, you know, indirectly, you kind of do pay your bills. You know what I mean? Well, you know, that's, that's, all, that's all debatable. See, that's why I say that, you know. Paul Allen was a billionaire before he bought the Seahawks, before they started generating revenue for him. Right. You get, you get what I'm saying? Definitely. So that, that's the level I look at. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to turn into somebody who hates fans. I don't. 
anybody who knows me knows I love fans and I appreciate everything they do. I appreciate them selling out the stadium, especially the 12th man. The 12th man are unbelievable. I love what they do. But I just think that you start dibbling and dabbling in my life, let me dibble and dabble in your life, see how much you like it. You know what I mean? It's like right. if somebody's comfortable doing that, as long as he's not offending the person who he, as long as he's not offending the person who he's talking to, or he's not only he's not offending his quote unquote coworkers, if if you want to make it a corporate environment, I think it's. I, I mean, I don't. I just don't see the need to to police it. Yeah, I think right. it's just one more thing that you're policing that you really don't need to. You know what I mean? I do. It's like it's. I just. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see the need for it, man. Let 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 us play football. Now I'm not. I'm not one to be out there and be dropping the bomb left and right because I'm for sarcastic sure. and I'm witty. So I'll tear you to shreds without using the cuss word. You know what I'm saying? But there's other people. Like I said, man, just from their natural environment, their natural habitat, they've been used to this for 21 years because they're not policing it in college. Hell, I had refs say it to me in college. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. They're not policing it in college. So you're going to tell a guy, listen, for 21 years of his life, let's talk about the upcoming rookie class. For 21 years of his life, it's innate, it's ingrained in him to do this. And then all of a sudden you want him to change. Okay, imagine if you were a chain smoker, and then I told you, look, when you get to the job, you're going to stop smoking. Point blank period. You've been doing this for 40 years. You've been doing this for 27 years. But listen, when you get here, you're going to stop smoking. It's like, what? Right. What? <laughs> this is natural. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, it's become habit. It's become routine. You know, smokers smoke just out of, out of routine. They may not even have a theme for a cigarette or nicotine, but out of habit and routine, they just put a cigarette in their mouth and start smoking. You get what I'm right. saying? So, right. so some people who grew up like this, that's the way they are. It is. And I, just, now, I don't know. Real quickly, Greg, we got to get going. Real quickly, your Twitter, your website, where can fans connect with you? Man, fans can always find me on G underscore Scrubs uh, at Twitter um, and okay. on G Scrubs on Instagram. And my website, my brand-new website, is called gscrubs.com. That's it. Just flat out, gscrubs.com. Go check it out. I got my Google Glass videos. Go see the life of the Super Bowl through my eyes. Read about blog entries through my eyes. Hear all these different things. See all these different things. My website is for no other reason than for people to get to know me. So gscrubs.com, gscrubs.com, g underscore scrubs. Tweet me. If you don't like something I said today, tweet me. I'll always (laughs) tweet back. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then G Scrubs on Instagram, you know, and uh, through my Twitter and everything else, you can find my Snapchat. And I don't, I don't have a kick, but you know, everything else. Man, I love interacting with fans, so I highly encourage people. You know, if there's something that you didn't like, I said today, come tweet me. I run my Twitter. I run, I, I run my website. So if people, you know, got have thoughts, feel free shoot me a tweet. I might not respond if I don't like it, but if I'm up for some discussion, sitting by the pool. Uh, drinking my, um, you know, Water. martini. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have some discussion with you. You know, hey, I won the Super Bowl, man. A martini is acceptable right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear you. Um, Greg, pl- so, pleasure talking to yeah. you, man. Look forward to doing it's it again great. down the line. Take care. Yeah. All right, for sure. Absolutely. Thanks. Greg Scruggs. Greg Scruggs, defensive end. Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it was an interesting interview with Greg. I mean, Greg had a lot of great, interesting things uh, 
to say in that particular interview. I know there was a little pause in that interview. That was a issue that we had here on tape, but uh, definitely a great interview, definitely an interesting interview, and definitely a very candid interview. And, again, I, Greg talked about this, but you want guys to be candid. We, we want them to be honest. We want them to be real in the moment they do that, a la Richard Sherman. We get mad and angry and upset. I'm not mad, angry, or upset. That was a the Greg was 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 spitting knowledge and, and and telling the truth and truth that he believes is the truth. You know, thing, saying what he believes is the truth. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Second hour of Go For It starting right now. In this hour, expect to be joined by 49ers corner Terrell Brown and Terrell on the verge of being a free agent. So we're going to talk to him about his upcoming free agency. I want to go to boxing now. An interesting story uh, from the world of boxing. Um, this week, a lot of people may not have heard of him. Carlos Molina was scheduled to fight uh, Jamal Charlo. Championship bout. Molina is the IBF junior middleweight champion. So, Molina prepared to fight uh, Charlo on Saturday, but on the way, Molina got arrested in Las Vegas on an outstanding warrant from 2007. That was because he failed to register as a sex offender following a uh, 2002 no contest plea to statutory rape. And according to his attorney, Leo Margulis, he's saying that it stemmed from an 18-year-old Molina having sex with his girlfriend who was 15 or possibly 16 at the time. By law, I guess statutory rape, but, I mean, there are 15, 16, 18-year-olds, really not much of a difference. But anyway, at that point, he went to court. Um, he was arrested ultimately, but they able they were able to post bond of ten thousand, but the release was denied because immigration officials are saying that Molina was in this country illegally, and Molina was born in Mexico, but came to the U.S. at four years old. Bottom line is he's missing out on a $275,000 payday because of this incident. It's, it's weird. I mean, this guy has fought in the United States for, for a long period of time, fought in Vegas a few times, and now right before he's about to fight this time around, he gets locked up on an outstanding warrant. Now, apparently... He's not supposed to be in this country because of the uh, statutory rape no contest plea. And because of it, he also agreed, according to his attorney, to be deported. Apparently, according to his attorney, he snuck back in across the border. They're saying for, for something like that, he could be 
or get a 10-year sentence, a 10-year prison sentence for for what he did, and then that was getting out, of, leaving the country, well, being deported from the country, and then sneaking back into the country. He could be deported for that. I mean, he could be he could get jail time for that, 10 years. Wow. So you go from being the IBF junior middleweight champion of the world, you go from the possibility of earning 275 grand this weekend to now not being able to get that 275 grand and sitting in a Clark County prison over the weekend. And according to uh the website Clark County according to the Clark County website, he is expected to be released on Monday. So he's expected to be released on Monday. That doesn't help him much because now the fight that he was supposed to participate in on Saturday against Charlo is now off. So, 275 grand that Molina was supposed to get is now gone. Now he went from the possibility of 275 grand to now being in prison over the weekend and not getting released until Monday. And it's weird. I mean, it, it, the, the case, the, the, the circumstances around this case is weird because, this, again, this guy's been fighting in Las Vegas many, many times, many times. And this warrant has been out since 2007. So seven years later, you go after this guy? Why didn't you take care of this? Why did it take so long, first of all? Why did this take so long? Why did this take so long? I mean, it's weird. It's weird. And right up before it was time for him to fight Saturday night, he gets arrested. He gets detained. And he misses out on a $275,000 payday. That's a big payday to miss out on. That's a big payday to miss out on. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks if you're Carlos Molino, and it sucks for Charlo, too, because he was expected to get hundred grand for this fight, and because the fight is off, he does not get paid either. Wow. Let's go and let's stick with the same theme of court and police and athletics. Darren Sharper, Darren Sharper, who is being held in L.A. in prison at this point in time, being denied bail. You, you look at it. You look at it. Darren Sharper, this this is a, a crazy, 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 crazy story. I mean, every time there's 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 more and more that comes out about this story, and every time the more that comes out, the more shocked that you are. I mean, this is a guy, Darren Sharper. I mean, I said this last week. I'll say it again. Decent looking guy, um, a guy who, uh, decent looking guy, a guy who's on TV, a guy who's made a decent amount of money. In his, in his football career, and he had to resort to this. I mean, this guy is under investigation for sexual assaults in Florida, Nevada, 
in Arizona. So California, Louisiana, Florida, Nevada, and Arizona. It's crazy. It's crazy. And there are reports now that Sharper may have told some people that he had non-consensual sex with two women. So he, he, he admitted that. He, he admitted that, apparently, according to some reports. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, now this guy, he could face up to 30 years in prison. And if he's convicted aggravated rape in Louisiana, he can do life in prison. This is an amazing story. And this story gets more and more amazing as as it goes on. This guy, I guess we're talking about a possible serial rapist. Serial rapist. And this guy recently won a lawsuit against a, a company for a bad remodeling job and a work that wasn't done properly. Won $178,000 in a lawsuit. Really doesn't do him any good now. And now he has to stay in jail for a period of time. And he's staying in jail until they figure out well, he's staying in jail until Louisiana gets their stuff together and whether, until Louisiana can get, can get an indictment. So he's going to stay in jail until Louisiana gets that indictment. The moment Louisiana gets that indictment, because the judge said he can't be held indefinitely. That's what he said today. Can't be held indefinitely. But he didn't release Sharper right away. But he's going to give New Orleans time to see if they can get an indictment, continue to investigate, possibly get an indictment. This is a, a, a it's a it's a sad turn of events for this guy. I mean, you you're almost speechless as you talk about it because you it, it's unbelievable that Darren Sharper, guy who you know I'm, I'm just going by what I see on TV. You know, I don't know Darren Sharper, but you see him on TV. He seems like a, a fun guy, a nice guy. Um, you, you don't see, you didn't see sex offender. You didn't see bad sex offender. You, you saw, you saw a guy. I mean, I don't know. You, you saw a pretty decent looking guy. You, you saw a guy again who seems to have a pretty decent personality, and you saw a guy who was on TV. So those, 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 and, and a guy who's played NFL football, those things, you put them all together, that should get you lucky a lot of times. That, that should help you in terms of getting, you know, that should help you in terms of, of getting what you want from the females. You would think a guy like Darren Sharper wouldn't have to pay out 
not pay out money, but wouldn't have to essentially do some of the things that he is accused of doing to get sex from women. You don't expect it. So the, he's not the, he doesn't fit the bill in terms of what you would call a, a serial rapist. He doesn't fit that bill. But it could be real. And he's going to need, heck, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to get to the NFL. He's going to need a lot of help. He's defied odds before in terms of getting to the NFL. And anybody that gets to the NFL, you're defying odds because there's a lot of people in this world who is not going to play pro football. So you get to the NFL, you defy odds. He's going to have to defy those odds again in terms of trying to get out of this. This is a lot. This is a, a lot for Darren Sharper to overcome. I don't know how he does it. I really don't know how he does it. There's a lot of smoke here, and I think reality is a lot of smoke equals a lot of fire, which equals Darren Sharper possibly spending a long time in jail. Crazy, crazy story. Let's switch gears now. Adrian Peterson, running back for the Minnesota Vikings, the great back, Adrian Peterson, two years ago, over 2,000 yards rushing, almost broke the rushing record held by Eric Dickerson coming off an ACL injury. Well, Adrian Peterson jumped on Twitter on March 5th at 11.15 p.m. and said, at Mike Vick, would intently, or he probably wants to say instantly, make the Vikings a playoff team. At Mike Vick, would instantly make the Vikings a playoff team. So now, at this point, obviously you're the Minnesota Vikings. The best player on your team, Adrian Peterson comes out and says, at Mike Vick, would be and would instantly make your team a playoff team. Well, Matt Castle resigned with the Vikings. So I don't know what that means in terms of Mike Vick. You still have uh, Christian Ponder on the roster. I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means and, and if that makes them a team that's in look, looking for a quarterback. They should be if Christian Ponder and Matt Castle are your quarterbacks. You need to be looking for a quarterback. Also, Josh Freeman. You need to be looking for a quarterback. You need a quarterback. I mean, Freeman's a free agent, and as I said, Castle has resigned, apparently has resigned, and Christian Ponder is still on the roster. I just don't know now what that means with Michael Vick. You know, maybe they move Ponder on. And this is just going on the, the premise that if they do bring in a Michael Vick, if they were to bring in a Michael Vick, maybe they move Christian Ponder on, have Matt Castle as the backup to possibly Michael Vick. Because you are going to need, if you are thinking about bringing a Michael Vick into your team, you're going to need a decent backup quarterback. You're going to need that. 
you're going to need a decent backup quarterback because we all know Michael Vick still has a live arm, still can move around, but he has a hard time staying healthy. He has not played a full season since 2006. That's the issue with Michael Vick. It's health. Health has always been the issue with Michael Vick. But Adrian Peterson at this point in his career, he wants to win. He wants to win. The reality is an NFL running back only has so many hits in that body. You only have so many hits in that body. And eventually the body as an NFL running back can't be healthy. It can't be right forever. Can't be. Won't be. I mean, this is a guy now, Adrian Peterson, 28 years old. He'll be 29 in a couple weeks. He'll be 29 years old. So at the age of 29 years old, Adrian Peterson, I mean, at this point, he wants to win. And he knows how many years he has left. He knows how many years he has left. He knows that he wants to win now. And he sees that window closing. And he sees that he needs a quarterback to help him get to where he wants to get. He definitely does need a quarterback. There's no getting around that. He needs a quarterback. I mean, Matt Castle is not going to win you a Super Bowl in this league. Christian Ponder is not going to win you a Super Bowl in this league. And I don't even know if Michael Vick is going to win you a Super Bowl in this league. But I do know Michael Vick, more so than Christian Ponder, more so than, than, than I mean, Michael Vick did get a team TMC championship game. Michael Vick did get a team one game away, had a team one game away from getting to the Super Bowl. Castle, Ponder have not done that. Michael Vick has. So he has proven that he is or can take his team far in the playoffs. Minnesota's issues is, well, they're not a very good defensive team. Give up a lot of points, the most points in football, 31st against the pass, not a very good defense. So you've got to upgrade that defense if they want to instantly become a winner. If they instantly want to become a winner or a playoff team, they have to upgrade the defense. But interesting, Adrian Peterson said a playoff team, not a Super Bowl team. And that's what I would think you would want if you are Adrian Peterson. Not a guy who's going to get you to the playoffs. You want a guy who's going to get you to the playoffs and beyond. And that beyond is a Super Bowl. That beyond is the Super Bowl. But you wonder where will Mike Vick land? Is it in New York with the Jets? Rex Ryan has always loved Michael Vick. So could he go to the Jets and, and compete with Geno Smith? Does he go to the Raiders and compete with Terrell Pryor or whoever else the Raiders may draft and try to get that job? Where does he go? I mean, 
where does he land? There are teams out here who need a quarterback, Jets. I'm not too sold on Geno Smith at this point. You know, um, the Raiders. I'm not sold on Terrell Pryor at this point. Jacksonville, though they re-signed Chad Henney to two years, so that's probably out the question. Houston, they may take a quarterback in the draft. Who knows, maybe Johnny Menzel, maybe somebody in the second round. Who knows? But they could use a quarterback. So, I mean, you look at the teams that could use a starter, maybe he stays in Philadelphia and backs up Nick Foles. I mean, it's a comfortable situation for him. It's an offense that he likes, but he has said and been on record saying he wants to be a starter in this league. He is the best of the free agent class. He is the best of the free agent quarterbacks that are out there. Michael Vick is the best. Now, just because he's the best doesn't mean he is the best fit for your team. Doesn't mean he brings – it doesn't mean you want him on your football team. It doesn't mean you want him on your football team. Just because he is the best that's out there doesn't mean he's the best for you. Doesn't mean that. And, hey, I'm a Michael Vick guy. I'm a Michael Vick guy. And I think, and and this is the biggest, if he can stay healthy, he can, I think, lead a team to the playoffs. I think he can. If he can stay healthy. And, And that's a big if when it comes to Michael Vick. That's a big if. It's a very big if. We've seen it over the years. It's a big if for this guy. He's had a hard time staying healthy. But you look at the five games that he did play. You look at the five games that he did play for the Philadelphia Eagles before he had that hamstring injury. It was a fluke hamstring injury. I mean, he was running, hamstring popped, Michael Vick down and out. But anyway, first five games were, were decent. I mean, 428 yards against San Diego. Um, decent performance against the Redskins were a game they won. Um, <clears throat> Kansas City threw the ball around too many picks in Kansas City. Denver, they really had no shot. That defense couldn't stop Denver. Denver went up and down the field. No one, Nick Foles, Michael Vick could have beat the, the Broncos on that particular day. And then the Jet, the Giants game is where he went out, where he, when he left at halftime, he was 6 for 14 for 105 yards when he left at halftime. So I look Michael, I look at Michael Vick and, and just look at, you know, whether or not he can stay healthy. Last time he's played a complete 16-game schedule was back in 2006. But... 2004, 2005, he only missed one game. So he can do it, but recent history tells you that it's going to be hard for him to stay healthy. That's what recent history has shown us. We'll see if he can do it. But I think he's going to give him a chance. And I don't think it's going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't see Michael Vick coming back to the Eagles because I think he wants to be a starter. And because he wants to be a starter, I think Michael Vick now is going to, to put himself in a situation where he can 
have a chance to start. And whether it's with the Jets, Vikings, Raiders, whether who, any of those teams, Jaguars is probably out the question at this point. Vikings, maybe a little questionable after re-signing that castle, but we'll see. Raiders, you know, still an opportunity. Jets, and who knows, again, maybe, maybe he'll stick around with in Philadelphia and be a backup to Nick Foles. But here's the reason I think that that wouldn't work from an Eagle perspective. Why? Because two years last year, Nick Foles, Michael Vick, quarterback competition. Michael Vick beat out Nick Foles. Michael Vick played very well in the preseason. Nick Foles played well as well, too, I should say, in the preseason. But, you know, there was a quarterback con- competition. And, and I think if you're Nick, if you're Chip Kelly, I think you, you don't want Nick Foles having to look over his shoulder at all. And, and I think if Michael Vick is – if Michael Vick stays in Philadelphia – I believe that Nick Foles would be looking over his shoulder. I really do. Nick Foles goes out and has a couple bad games. I think instantly he starts looking over his shoulders. I think the fans will put pressure. You know, just that the fans and the media will always make it an issue and always will be talking about it. Have you made, did you, at any point, Chip, did you want to go to Michael Vick because Nick was struggling? Did you want to do that? Were you tempted to put Michael Vick in because Nick was struggling? Or what if Nick Foles goes out, gets hurt for a game or two, possibly three, and then Michael Vick comes in and plays lights out football? At that point, again, you have a controversy. You have a quarterback controversy because people are going to say, now, at this point, Michael Vick has to be the starter moving forward because of the way he's played. So the bottom line is, if, if I'm Chip Kelly in the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't know if I want that with Nick Foles there. And Nick Foles is the guy that you believe is going to be your starter moving forward, at least for this season. So if I'm Chip Kelly, I don't know if I want to put that type of pressure on Nick Foles having to, to constantly look over his shoulders, especially if he's struggling or especially if he gets hurt and Michael Vick comes in for a few games and, and plays lights out. So if I'm Michael, if I'm, if I'm Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm moving on from Mike Vick for the simple fact that I don't want the distraction of, of that with my quarterback, Nick Foles. I don't, I don't want that distraction there. I don't want that distraction. So I'm going to move on. For Michael Vick, and, and you know they're going to have to find a, a backup. They're going to definitely have to find a backup in Philadelphia. But who knows? I mean, maybe. And Michael Vick was was very resigned to the fact last season that you know Nick Foles has played well, and that he was resigned to the fact that he was going to stay on the bench and be a backup. He was resigned to that fact. Now you wonder if he's going to be still resigned to that fact. Um, Next season, and and he could possibly be resigned to that fact if things don't necessarily go his way in terms of what's out there in the open market. If teams aren't willing to bring him in, if the Jets aren't calling, if the Vikings aren't calling, if the Jaguars aren't calling, if any of those teams aren't calling, and he's forced at that point to possibly be a backup again, 
Why not be a backup and, and, and why not try to be a backup in Philadelphia in an offense that you like? Again, if I'm Chip Kelly, I don't want it. I don't want it. But if I also if I'm Chip Kelly and I feel like Michael Vick is the best option for me as my backup quarterback moving forward because in the National Football League, we all know, I mean, most of these quarterbacks aren't playing a full 16-game season, so you're going to need two quarterbacks on your roster. You're going to need a, a dependable backup who can possibly win you a, come off the bench and win you a ball game or two. Michael Vick, you would think, fits the bill. Michael Vick, you would think, is the best possible backup quarterback you could have in this league. Michael Vick is the best. And you could go the route of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, obviously Tony Romo, a little more established than, say, Nick Foles. But, you know, they bring in a Kyle Orton at three years, $10 million, Cowboys do, and they bring him in. For the for the fact that you may need them, and they paid him a good amount of money, with the belief that, hey, you're going to need two quarterbacks in this league, and the belief that, if Tony Romo does go down, you're in good hands, decent hands with Kyle Orton, and they were in decent hands with Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton, in that final game, didn't play awful, didn't win against the Philadelphia Eagles, but it wasn't awful. I don't know if they were in good hands per se, but they were in okay hands with Kyle Orton. Okay hands. But anyway, we'll see what happens with Michael Vick. But the Jaguars re-signed Chad Henney to a two-year deal, and the Vikings have re-signed Matt Castle. So does that take away those two destinations for Michael Vick? We'll see. Jaguars, probably so. Minnesota, who knows, maybe they move on from Christian Ponder, release Christian Ponder, or try to trade Christian Ponder to someone, and then bring in a Michael Vick. We'll see. Switching gears now, I want to go back to the NBA. Last Saturday, uh, big-time retirement ceremony. Big-time retirement ceremony, but we're going to get to that. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Terrell Brown of the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's that Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back on Go For It. The free agency period starts March 11th 
at this point in time, teams do have an opportunity to sign their own free agents. And one of these guys who possibly will be on the open market come March 11, March 11, excuse me, is corner for the San Francisco 49ers. Let's bring him in now, San Francisco 49ers cornerback, Terrell Brown. Hello. Having a little technical difficulties here. We'll get Terrell Brown on in a moment. Hello, Terrell. Yeah, could you not hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. What's go- Thanks for joining us. Man, thanks for having me. How y'all doing today? Doing well, doing well. And Terrell, let's get right down to it, man. I mean, uh, as of Thursday, I heard you say nothing has been going on in terms, in terms of talking with the 49ers. Is that still the case as of today? Uh, you know, my agent's been doing a lot of that talk, so stuff has been uh, moving pretty good. So hopefully okay. we can come to uh, common ground and hopefully we can get something worked out, but you never know. Right, right. And is San Francisco the place you want to be? Yeah, I would love to be in San Francisco. I think uh, anytime you, you start somewhere, you want to finish there, and uh, they got a, a great thing going, great organization, and a great group of players. So, I mean, you always want to uh, finish where you start. Now, Bill Polian of ESPN said you're the highest-ranking corner out there in free agency. Some believe that possibly in order for the Niners to resign you, you would have to give them a hometown discount. Would you be open to giving the Niners a hometown discount? I mean, a lot of people speculate a lot of things. You know, a lot of corners get graded off of interceptions, get graded off of getting thrown at uh, yards per catch, things of that sort. But for me personally, you know, I just want to go out there and play ball. I want something fair. I want something that, you know, I can can, can feel comfortable with, I can be happy about, and I can go out there and, and do what I do best, and that's play football. Let's talk about your season now. You had some injuries, but all in all, a solid season for you. How would you assess your play in 2013? Assess your play. How'd you play? Were you happy with it? I think uh, I was happy with it until I got injured. You know, I played the rest of the year uh, hurt uh, with the real broken rib injury. Uh, it's definitely difficult, you know, trying to move around with a, you know, a broken rib, playing DB and turning and having to make uh, moves at a at a quick, you know, a quick rate. But uh, for me, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, making sure, you know, I keep my guy from catching the ball and. Uh, you know, I might not have as many picks as a lot of the other guys, but if you watch the film, you'll see the quarterback, you know, he might target me and then look the opposite way. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about this opportunity, you know, for first time being a, a free agent, and I look forward to what's coming up in these next couple of days. We're talking to 49ers corner, Terrell Brown. Terrell, as you said, you played with the 49ers your whole career. We all know what happened with the $2 million bonus in the offseason. Ultimately, the Niners would give you 300000 How much does that mean to you? Does that sway you in terms of wanting to resign with the Niners? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think uh, it wasn't something that, you know, uh, they were aware of uh, at that point in time. You know, uh, like I said, you know, that's the, that's the agent's job to take care of those types of things. And, uh, you know, things happen. I'm going through a grievance uh, point right now, so I can't really talk too much about it. Right. But you know, everything happens for a reason, man. I leave things up to God, and it's a lesson learned. You know, uh, to all the other guys out there, you know, always double check uh, two, three, four, five, six times. You know, and make sure you know how you have somebody else checking as well. So uh, that slipped, you know, through his eyes. So 
Uh, yeah, I'd say. I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but as you said, you are grieving <laughs> it. And, and hopefully, hopefully you'll get your money. You, you look at yeah. you guys now. You, you lost the Seahawks in the NFC title game. And funny thing, I, I walked away from that game and walked away from the last three seasons of the Niners, walking away saying that the Niners were the better team and the better team did not win the game. We all know what Seattle did in the Super Bowl. But I, I walked away from that game saying to myself, I thought the Niners should have won the game. When you walked away from that game against the Seahawks, did you feel the same way? I mean, you always feel that way because you're out there playing in uh, one or two, three plays, you know, can can determine the outcome of any football game, especially of that magnitude. You know, you're playing against two good football teams that's uh, that really don't like each other, that's division foes, and uh, that's passionate about playing the game. Things like that happen, but... You know, it's 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 no uh, it's no number two. Nobody remembers number two in this game. So it's always about wins, wins and losses, and and they were the better team that night. They were. I mean, I, I don't know. I, they were the better team of that that night. But as I walked away, I just thought, wow. I mean, this was a a big time opportunity for the Forty Nine ers. I felt like you guys let one get away. I really did. More so, I, I actually felt that way against the Giants a couple of years back with you guys. I mean, I just felt like you guys just let one slip away. But all in all, what do you feel like you guys need to do to, to break through? I think uh, uh, guys are coming in day in and day out prepared. You know, guys are fighting. Guys are willing to work. And any time you have a, a group of guys that's willing to go out there and prepare throughout the week to get themselves ready to play on Sunday, uh, you always have a high probability of, of winning and winning a lot of games, so uh, just about getting over that hump. I think, uh, you know, they're going to be a good team uh, for years to come. Uh, hopefully I could be a part of it. Uh, like I said, I, I look forward to and I've had an amazing time these, these past seven years, you know, just being there and seeing the organization grow uh, to where it is now. We're talking to 49ers corner Terrell Brown. Terrell, I want to go back to the NFC Championship game for one moment. Richard Sherman, after the game, talked about Michael Crabtree, called him a mediocre receiver. At the end of the day, I mean, you guys aren't a rivalry. You guys don't like each other. But th- th- did that rant bother you guys at all? Uh, I mean, I don't really, I don't really get into all that. I don't really get into all that because it's, you know, that's not my place. You know what people say right. and do. You know, that has nothing to do with you know me. So I, I try to stay out of that, but I just think uh, when you target a certain player, uh, it takes away from the from the team, the team's mm-hmm. the team's goals and the, and 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 the team victory because it's not just about one player. So that's all I really can say. Now, you're doing big things off the field with the Brown Kids, your foundation. Tell us about that. Oh, uh, it's something you know. I started up. Uh, I look forward to doing it. You know, even when I was a younger, a younger teenager, I've always given back, you know, to my community as far as, you know, going to the nursing homes in my city and trying to help uh, help underprivileged kids as far as for Christmas, uh, Christmas gift bags and, and Thanksgiving turkey bags and things of that sort. So this was something I've always wanted to do. So when I had the opportunity to finally uh, do it, you know, I took full advantage of it. It's, it's the sixth year, you know, We've been doing it. Uh, I do a free football and cheerleading camp for the kids every year. I uh, have over 350 to 400 kids uh, free. Uh, we bring out seven to eight, nine, 
uh, NFL players. Uh, I bring out uh, Nike, Adidas, uh, track athletes. Um, I bring out multiple people just to kind of come out and support, you know, the kids because it's for a good cause. It's, it's to help underprivileged kids get an opportunity not just to know that they can make it in sports, but, you know, they could be anything they put their mind to because, you know, hard work pays off, and I'm a I'm a living testament of that. So this is something we do in the community. You know, we give back to our churches. Uh, we're doing a lot of uh, new things. We're doing a, a school uh, school supply drives as well. So uh, we're working. We're also working with uh, Chick Fil A and multiple other uh, restaurants to try to uh, focus on getting kids to eat breakfast as well. So we're just trying to do as much as we can in the, uh, in the community just to give back, and and that's what we're doing. Now, where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with Brown Kids? You can go to uh, TerrellBrown.com, uh, and then you'll uh, go off to another link, and it'll be uh, Brown's Kids. Uh, we have another one called Stuck Foundation, and we have uh, Born Again Foundation, which where we help uh, convicted felons get a second chance or another opportunity of, of you know, uh, getting a, a job and, and, and doing the right thing and being good uh, citizens. Now I, I saw on your Twitter page you were looking to try to go to the OK uh, an OKC game at, at some point, but you're a big NBA guy. Who's your team? You're a Mavericks guy. I know you're from Texas. Nah, nah, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. You know, uh, okay. me personally. You know, I've always been a Bulls fan as well. But you know, my son, my my youngest son, he's a he's a big OKC fan. So I was I messing around on Twitter and my my. Uh, <laughs> My stepmother, you know, she was telling me I should put that on Twitter, so uh, I did it. <laughs> so my son wasn't going to a game, so I think I'm just going to take him out there to a game. Uh, Kevin Durant's his favorite basketball player, so we probably go take that out. So. I'm trying to figure out, you know, you're you're from Texas and you, you found a way to be a Bulls fan. Is that because of Michael Jordan? Yeah, that, I mean, you know, Michael. Michael had a, a big influence on me, you know, as far as being a Bulls fan, and when he left. I didn't want to be a bandwagon jumper, so I just went ahead and stayed a Bulls fan. <laughs> <laughs> now you are from Texas. Would you be open? To, would you be open to possibly going back to Texas, Cowboys or, or any other team in, in Texas? I mean, I'm open just to the opportunity. You know, I'm blessed just to be here and to say, you know, I'm going on my eighth year in the NFL. You know, it's a blessing. So right. uh, for me. You know, just to get the opportunity to, to further my career and just keep playing football and do something that I love to do that I'm passionate about, uh, I just look forward to it. So really, you know, to me, I'm not picky as far as uh, what team I go to or, or where I might end up. You know, I just want it to be the right fit for me and my family. Now, do you feel any type of pressure, or is it is this the type of thing that's kind of fun to you? Uh, it's not pressure. There's no pressure. I think uh, everything will take care of itself, you know. Uh, the film doesn't lie. You know, uh, when you put film out, you know, if you go back to my last four years in the league, uh, you know, my film speaks for itself. Uh, where I've been ranked as far as the top corners in the league and the plays I've made, being in the playoffs, making playoff plays and playing in big-time games, you know. Right. It's not just about just playing in the first 16 games, but have you played in big games and, and made big plays. So, for me, you know, my resume speaks for itself and, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, people will see that and, and I'll end up somewhere where I really enjoy myself. At the end of the day, you're just ready to get paid. At the end of the day, I'm just ready to figure out where I'm going to go and, 
and, and hopefully, you know, my family is happy about the whole situation and the move, and we just take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> Terrell, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Terrell Brown on Twitter? <laughs> Terrell Brown uh, 25, uh, at Terrell Brown 25, T-A-R-E-L-L Brown 25. Fans, support some of the great things going on with Terrell Brown. He's doing big things in the community. He's doing big things on the football field, and I think he's about to do some big things in terms of getting paid in this offseason. Terrell, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with your free agency. Let's do this again. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for taking time out. Take care. All right, you too. Terrell Brown, corner for the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got to be political, you know, and – but at the end of the day, all these these guys want to get paid. But at the end, of, also, it's not necessarily always about getting paid. It's also about finding, as he said, the right situation, not only for you, but ultimately for your family and for everybody involved in your life. should be interesting what happens to Torrell Brown. I mean, the 49ers are a team that, uh, obviously, three years, three appearances in the NFC title game, one appearance in the Super Bowl. This is a team that's close to getting over that hump. This is a team that's had a lot of success over the years. They haven't gotten over that hump. They're close, but they haven't gotten over. They haven't gotten over. But hopefully, Terrell Brown, hopefully he can stay a part of that for his sake in terms of if he wants to win. But, again, you never know. And, and I look at I look at, I look at this that 49er team, and, again, three times to – the NFC title game one time to the Super Bowl, and, and you look at it over and over and over, and you're saying to yourself, at some point, you've got to break through, and if you don't break through, it's going to be too late. I mean, there's always been this good song out there, tomorrow might very well be too late. And, and that's what you're looking at with the 49ers. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I want to get to the Super Bowl. Tomorrow, uh, I, I want to win the Super Bowl. Tomorrow, 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 but as we all know, tomorrow might very well be too late. And that, that could be the case with the San Francisco 49ers and, and, and what's going on with them. I mean, this is a team that obviously is close, obviously seems to have a quarterback who could get them over the top in Colin Kaepernick, obviously seem to have a coach who could get them over the top. And, you know, there, I know there's been some issues with the coach and general manager, but, you know, they are a team, the 49ers, who I believe, to me, I, I, again, I, I, know the same, I know the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. I know that. I know that. And I know the dominant performance they had the final week against the Broncos. I get that. 43-8 is 43-8 against the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, Peyton Manning. I get all that. But I, I walked away from that game. I really did thinking the 49ers let one slip away. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was able to run the ball very well. He ran the ball just as good as he passed the ball. And he didn't. I mean, what? I think he had over 100 yards rushing. I know he had over 100 yards rushing. He had, I think, about 142 yards passing in that game. But in that particular contest, as I'm watching the football game, you know, you know they had that big fourth down play where they were going to bring out the kicker. They didn't do it. Russell Wilson hits Jermaine Curse for that touchdown, even before the Richard Sherman interception. Um, 
the, the, the 49ers were, were moving the ball down and had a great opportunity to score, and Richard Sherman just made a heck of a play. Just made a heck of a play. But I just walk away from I, I walked away from that game believing that the 49ers were the better football team. I just I just did. But we'll see. And the reality is the better team, I guess, uh, Terrell Brown said the better team on that day were the Seahawks. And ultimately the Seahawks would win the championship. They would win the championship. And were they the best team? I guess at the end of the day they were. I guess at the end of the day they were the better better football team. Oh, well. Anyway, before we, we, we were joined by Terrell Brown, I wanted to get in Allen Iverson in his retirement ceremony the other night in Philadelphia, last Saturday night. An emotional ceremony, Allen Iverson, number, going to the rafters. And I have to be honest with you, I, I did shed a tear or two in watching the ceremony and seeing that jersey go up to the rafters at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. I mean, I, I never denied this. I'm a lifelong Allen Iverson, lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. I have to admit, Allen Iverson probably is my favorite player of all time in terms of basketball. Allen Iverson is probably my favorite player of all time. And I look at, you know, I I look at that ceremony, and and Allen Iverson was Allen Iverson. He was honest. He was was genuine. You, You felt his passion. At times you felt his pain. You just felt who he was. You got who he was. And you can't say that about every player. You can't. Allen Iverson is, 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 is passion personified. But it's almost like you know him. It's almost like you knew Allen Iverson. And, you know, you see him, as, as he said in the speech, you know, you guys see me grow as a basketball player. You see me grow as a man. And he's made a lot of mistakes. And this is a guy you hope that the second half of his life will be good. You hope that he can get through, you know, some of the things that he's dealing with. You know, you saw the article in the Washington Post a couple, was that a year ago, about him and his struggles with alcohol, his struggles with being a a big-time father, his struggles with a lot of things in life. But you, you, you hope that he can get past those struggles moving forward and have a successful second half of his life. But it was it was an emotional ceremony for me, emotional ceremony for Allen Iverson, emotional ceremony for everybody that was there. Allen Iverson was Philadelphia was the 76ers for the period of time that he was in this in Philadelphia. He was the Sixers, and, and he carried that team on his back whether it was the 2001 NBA Finals, where he took that team, a team, and I detailed this last week, a team with Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, Dikembe Mutombo, Tyrone Hill. If you look at that roster, that's not the who's who's in the NBA. He took Aaron McKee to sixth man of the year. He got Eric Snow paid. He got a lot of guys paid, guys that may not have gotten paid if it wasn't for the greatness of Allen Iverson. But that year, that was a special year. And what he did with that team was amazing. A lot of people, a lot of people to this day believe that Allen Iverson and those Sixers 
had no business being in the NBA Finals with that roster. But they were in the NBA Finals because of the greatness of one, Allen Iverson. He was great. He was great. And his greatness got to Sixer City NBA Finals. His greatness got him to 11 NBA All-Star games. His greatness got him an MVP back in 2001. His greatness got him two All-Star MVPs. His greatness and just his everything about him was 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 he was he was a guy that you were drawn to, whether it was good or bad, you were drawn to him. Like I said, it's almost like you knew him. Like I said, it was it was like he was real. You know, a lot of guys are are, are craft. A lot of guys' image are crafted by publicists and management managers and things of that nature. You didn't sense that with Allen Iverson. You sensed you got the real. You sensed you got the real guy, the genuine article, the real thing. Leather, not pleather. You sensed that with Allen Iverson. And you look at Allen Iverson now, number retired, jerseys up in the rafters. And here's the thing with Philadelphia, I mean, <laughs> it seems like they've been milking this Allen Iverson this whole year, and, and that's the only thing they really had to hold their hand head to. I mean, that's the only thing they had. That's the only thing they had in Philadelphia. Allen Iverson, whether it was, you know, game one where he officially announced his retirement against the Heat, whether it was that or whether it was, you know, uh, this whole event. I mean, no one is going to Philadelphia 76ers games. No one. I mean, you could – you would have to give tickets away uh, for people to want to see that team. And do you blame anybody for wanting to pay to go? I'm actually going to go see that team in the next couple of weeks, actually. But so maybe I'm one of the fools. But I, I believe on StubHub those games are going for like a hundred dollars. Now I'm looking on StubHub right now, looking at Sixers games. You know, you, you, I'm seeing prices ten bucks. You know, six bucks. Um, Seven bucks. I mean, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. You're not going to have to to break the bank to see the Philadelphia 76ers. And not only will you not have to break the bank, but you will see you will actually get decent tickets to watch the Philadelphia 76ers without breaking the bank. You don't have to break the bank to see this team. Not too many people want to see this team. Not a very good basketball team. Not a very good product. Anyway, Allen Iverson, he's great. Ceremony was great. And I shed a few tears for Allen Iverson. I want to thank Terrell Brown of the 49ers. At this point, he is of the 49ers for joining us. Make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Terrell Brown 25, and support some of the great things going on with Terrell Brown. Also, we played an interview with Greg Scruggs of the Seattle Seahawks, I want to thank him again uh, for coming on and joining us. Um, you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. We'll be back with you next Saturday. And next Saturday we're working on 
some good guests. Hopefully you're listening next Saturday, blogtalkradio.com slash PGA. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great night, great day, great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.